0: This is KX In Death. I'm Rob Archer. And I'm Charles Feldman. It's been one of the most popular moves by the Biden administration for giving 10000 dollars in student debt for everyone who took out federal loans. But now it's in danger as the Supreme Court could strike down the entire plan. So what is likely to happen? We'll go in depth. And there is another court case that could stop the distribution of abortion pills. We'll get more into that as well.
1: All the snow in the mountains might look beautiful, but not everybody's happy with it. We're going to talk to somebody trapped in their home. There's new talk about a lab leak in China causing the pandemic. We go in depth and we hear about some new moves to remove disturbing images of teenagers from the Internet.
0: But we start with the plan costing nearly $400 billion to forgive student loans. Joining us now is John Hsu, constitutional scholar who served in the George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush White Houses. Thanks for being with us.
2: Thank you, Charles and Rob. And Rob, congratulations to you on uh, on joining
0: Charles on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, are you doing it now? Yeah, I'm doing it. It's oh. me. <laughs> it's thought, me. I thought you looked different. Yes. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, so, first of all, as I understand it, the, the, one of the issues uh, before the Supreme Court, maybe the issue when it comes to the student loans, is who has standing to bring this before the Supreme Court to begin with? Isn't that it?
2: Well, yeah, that's one of the problems. You know, the uh, you have... Uh, the the case is actually consolidated two cases one is uh Biden versus Nebraska because there were several states six states that sued Arkansas Iowa Kansas Missouri Nebraska and South Carolina and then there's a private plaintiff uh the Department of Education versus Myra Brown who's a private plaintiff uh who is affected by by this um this proposed plan by the Biden administration
1: so other than this being a political thing uh what uh, help me understand the opposition to forgiving uh, student loan debt when when it has turned into such a huge problem that does eventually affect the economy of the united states
2: yeah i don't uh respectfully i don't think it's a purely political thing i think there are several important legal issues and uh at stake which in turn affect policy issues so the 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 larger issue is the Biden administration is using what's called the HEROES Act of 2003. HEROES stands for Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students. And that law was passed uh, in the wake of 9-11 and in the wake of our going into Afghanistan and Iraq. And that was uh, supposed to design to help uh, soldiers, uh, people who were going to be deployed. And also that also covers the National Guard uh and in times of war that they would not obviously if you're in a war zone in afghanistan you know you're paying off your student loans month to month is not your top priority staying alive and coming home is so uh that heroes act was designed to help these people and congress being congress made it a little broader and it said you know we should also apply the heroes act to people mostly first responders who are assigned to national emergency disaster zones and they You know they were thinking about uh, places that have wildfires or floods that kind of thing places where fema would go um the biden administration is really stretching that national emergency by saying that the pandemic is a nationwide emergency as opposed to a local emergency like a tornado and so they're using the heroes act to apply to everybody Uh, in the United States. And there's a serious question about that. The Heroes Act was not designed for that. Uh, It's not something that's designed to go nationwide for everybody. And last but not least, the president himself on television said the pandemic is over. And uh, the Department of Homeland Security said the pandemic is over. That's why they wanted to kick Title 42 for the border. So there's some very important legal issues that affect the policy issue which is should we be for, forgiving <clears throat> the student loans that people a voluntarily signed up for B knew what they were getting into And C, I mean we've extended the the moratoriums many times now and if the pandemic is truly over, you know there's a moral hazard should they be, really be in a position to have them completely forgiven or maybe they should you know right, actually but, pay back what they owe?
0: Okay, but here's now where the uh, the politics, clearly comes in. So the president promises all these students, tens of thousands, that their loans, federal loans anyway, it doesn't, we should point out, it does not apply to to private loans. Uh, He promises all these students relief. Um, So now if the Supreme Court says, no, you don't have the authority to do that, it's a political mess for the president and for the Democrats, is it not?
2: Well, yes, but re- uh, respectfully, it's one of their own making. In other words, they they knew, <laughs> and there's internal communications that have been released, that they sh- they knew that this was a stretch at best. But at the time, before the midterm elections were coming up, they decided, you know, we want to make sure that we minimize any damage from the midterms. And the Democrats did very well in the midterms, all things considered. But but,
0: but let me me ask you one thing uh, when you're talking about a stretch, because one of the things that comes to to my mind is hasn't the United States gone into wars based on congressional mandates for one thing, and then we kind of stretch it a whole lot to justify something totally different? So isn't there a kind of a rich history in America of doing exactly that?
2: Uh, Not necessarily. So, for example, you know the original authorization for the use of military force it did not specify afghanistan it was to to combat terrorism worldwide um if that's what you were referring to and there are times when the executive branch have gone ahead and stretched uh the meaning and uh, that's when people sue whether it's people in congress or people who have been injured by this uh overstretched by the executive branch so here's here's a situation in where again, that's happened. And I have to say the the text of the statute is pretty clear. And if you, if you combine the clarity of the statute with the fact that the president himself and other cabinet departments have stated that the pandemic and therefore whatever national emergency there may have been is over, um, that really does damage the administration's case and the administration's factual basis for uh, for engaging in this loan forgiveness.
1: Let, let me ask you this. If you were, you worked for uh, both Bush administrations, if you were working for George W. Bush, and he said, uh, I want to do something to help uh, uh, students with these federal loans. If he wanted to, some kind of help, uh, some kind of aid coming for college students who uh, were in over their heads a little bit. What idea would you have supported of his that would have passed, in your view, legal muster?
2: Well, I'd... I- I mean, I'll leave the president to to speak for himself. But I think any any anybody who encourages you know a, a stretching of to this extent and the moral hazard that comes with it, I mean, that's that's a, it's a high risk for the administration. And then I would also say this: if it was any Republican president who decided to go ahead and use the Heroes Act in this case, I guarantee you, because uh, Charles and Rob, you were talking about politics before. Uh, I guarantee you that there, some some Democrat state, I don't know, California, Massachusetts, and uh, some private plaintiff somewhere, they would sue that administration as well. So it's uh, it all. It, there's an old saying of where you stand. It all depends on where you sit. <laughs> well, no and, uh... no one ever
1: accused uh, uh, politics of not having any hypocrisy in it.
2: <laughs> no, that's true. But it, it, again, it's speaking strictly on a legal basis. You know, this HEROES Act was really designed for people who are in war or preparing for war, as in the National Guard. Um, the National Guard also responds to uh, uh, serious emergencies like uh, floods, uh, hurricanes, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So it's really designed for for those people who are affected locally or who, who have been assigned there through no fault of their own. You know, right. they you know, if, if we if we have National Guard members helping people uh, in New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina or in Florida with the recent terrible hurricanes we had there, you know, it's again, you want them to be focused on helping fellow Americans, not focusing on, oh, geez, Louise, right. you know, do we have to worry about our student loan payment? All right. And so- again, that's also not a blanket. It's not a blanket forgiveness, the HEROES Act and the administration now it seems to me that they're trying to
1: use it as blanket authority for everybody. All right. Thank you so much for uh, the input there. John Shu, constitutional scholar, served in uh, both Bush administrations. You're listening to KNX In-Depth, along with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman. Coming up uh, now, one federal department says a lab leak may have caused the COVID pandemic. Right now, a judge in Texas could make a ruling at any moment
0: that could decide the fate of an abortion pill used by millions of women. He's handling a lawsuit disputing the way the FDA approved the drug. With us now is Lisa Aikomoto, who is a Martin Luther King Jr. professor at the UC Davis School of Law and an expert in bioethics and healthcare law. Thanks for being with us.
3: Happy to be here. Thank you.
0: So, first of all, very briefly, explain to people who may not be familiar with the product we're talking about, this particular pill, why it would be so uh, important and damaging to women who might want an abortion should this Texas judge uh, rule uh, that it it is uh, not properly reviewed by the FDA and therefore not safe.
3: So the drug is called mifepristone, also called mifeprix. mifeprex. It's part of a two-drug regimen that's used in medication abortion. And medication abortion is used during the early part of the pregnancy and the vast majority of abortions um, are um, done during the early part of the pregnancy. And mifepristone accounts for, or use of the medication abortion pills accounts for at least half of abortions that take place during the first trimester. So issuing a nationwide injunction um, would eliminate access for people even outside of the Northern District of Texas, which is where the judge is sitting.
1: And uh, does this give ammunition to the uh, pro-choice side that argued uh, that uh, the pro-life side, which had uh, gone under the idea that states should decide if abortion is legal or not. So let's return that uh, that right to the states to decide. Uh, but now are saying that, look, it's never been about states deciding. Uh, the uh, pro-choice people say that the anti-choice people want to make it illegal everywhere in the country. This is just another step on the way to that if, if the judge rules this way and if it gets upheld eventually to the Supreme Court.
3: Yeah, then it becomes uh, a national decision, a federal decision, rather than um, as you indicated, it's sort of a states' rights decision, um, and so states would not, if if a nationwide injunction gets up, gets, uh, get is issued, if it is upheld, if it's ultimately upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court, which may be a long shot, then um, states no longer have the authority to legislate to either protect access to abortion or to ban it. It's out of their hands.
0: California, of course, uh, abortion is legal. So if the judge were to issue a national injunction against this particular pill, what would that mean to women in California? They presumably would still be able to get abortion through surgical means, right? They just wouldn't be able to use the pill.
3: Yeah. I mean, people will still seek access to medication abortion, um, but they won't have access at least for a while. Um, using the two-drug regimen that includes mifepristone. Um, the second drug is also effective um, and it is used by people in other countries um, for, to terminate a pregnancy in the early part of um, pregnancy, so that they will still have access to that. It's also still possible that even if the injunction is upheld or if some sort of decision is made that the FDA misused its authority, that the two-drug regimen could sort of Go through reconsideration under the FDA, and the FDA could later approve um, medication abortion, but that could take a while. Yeah, it but I was going. But I was going to
0: say, ahead. I mean, I mean, so the the argument that they're using, uh, those who want the to oppose the pills to use, couldn't it backfire for the reason you just said that that by hanging their hat. On the, their notion that the FDA didn't do a good job or didn't do the right job or didn't do something right in approving this drug and deeming it to be safe, couldn't the FDA just turn around? And yes, it might take a few months or whatever, but in a very speedy fashion, then approve it. And then their argument goes against them, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure that it would happen in a speedy manner, <laughs> um, but it is possible that. Um, you know, the scientific evidence could be resubmitted. And certainly there's, there's at this point, there's decades worth of data um, that's been accumulated to support the safety and efficacy of Mifepristone in, used in combination with the second drug um, as well. So it's possible, but in the meantime, it would be devastating. And the primary impact would be on people who lack access to healthcare in general. So it would exacerbate existing healthcare inequalities.
1: All right. Thank you so much. That's uh, Lisa Aikamoto, Martin Luther King, Jr. Professor at the UC Davis School of Law. You're listening to KNX In-Depth with Charles Feldman. I'm Rob Archer. Coming up, what started the
0: pandemic? There is now renewed controversy over that.
1: Uh, Right now, though, more rain uh, this morning, more snow in the mountains and more of it on the way. Some areas at higher elevations already seen seven feet of snow. Joining us now from her home on Lake Arrowhead. Is someone caught up in that? Susan Harris. Susan, thank you so much for uh, being here with us today.
4: Thank you for having me, sir.
1: So are you trapped inside your home? And by trapped, what do we mean?
4: Well, I can go as far as uh, our neighborhood right here because we personally, uh, all our neighbors chipped in and plowed our access road. But our street is hasn't been plowed for six days. So,
0: when you want to, we're meet, trapped. So you're trapped. So, uh, how oh, are yeah. you? How are you doing for things like food?
4: Well, we're actually all okay because we all prepare for the storm. Originally, the storm wasn't supposed to be as bad as it is, um, but we were all prepared. Although we do have people on our street on vacation homes that we're not prepared and uh, we are helping everybody out in the neighborhood
1: Now, it makes you wonder about people who are there on vacation because, uh, while the storm may have been a little bit worse than what was expected. There were warnings about the storm for quite some time. I mean, uh, about three or four days out, uh, the officials were warning of a blizzard uh, conditions uh, in the mountain areas and the storm is going to be pretty intense. So uh, what do you make of someone who uh, vacations in such an area knowing a storm is uh, coming or likely at some point while they're there and not being ready for it?
4: I don't think they really understood uh, what the scope of this storm was, and um, they were just not prepared.
0: So what is their—I mean, I mean, you could reach them, right? Uh, you're able to get to their homes. or So what are you doing? Are you helping them with, like, food and stuff like that, or what?
4: Yeah, we are helping some neighbors with food. Um, the, the street is very difficult to walk on because it is— there there are cars parked on the street because they normally park there. They're not abandoned cars, um, but they're completely under snow. So even walking across the street, uh, the depth of the snow on our street, because we're one of the highest streets in Lake Arrowhead elevation wise, um, we it's about four feet. I mean, if you can't see the cars, the average car is four to five feet tall. They're right. covered 100 percent. So in order for you to even walk across the street, you, you have to—you <laughs> get lost. I mean, I'm short. I get lost. I, I was going to ask you, Susan, yeah.
0: I mean, because you're figuring there's about five feet of snow, right, roughly, on the ground?
4: Yes. And yes. how how tall are you? I am 5'2". That's, <laughs> that's, that, that's, so, that's not good. That's not a lot of headway. Some of it is already packed. You know, some of it is packed, so you could walk on some of it. Um, the gentleman across the street from us who was— uh, asking everyone for milk, and everybody was uh, trying to find out which house he was at. Uh, by the time he responded, he was desperate. He walked for two hours to go get milk for his daughter. And uh, obviously so,
1: your 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 phone is working because that's how we're uh, communicating with you right now. But how are you doing for uh, power and uh, Internet?
4: Well, uh, Internet we have. Not everybody up here has power or Internet. But uh, on our street, we're fortunate enough, because there's a lot of full-timers on this part of the uh, lake, that we do have power. Uh, Our neighbors didn't have power for quite some time yesterday, but most people have generators that are here full-time, so they're okay. But there is a lot of people up here that do not have generators. So when they lose power in these temperatures, like 20 degrees at night, it is not comfortable. (laughs)
0: So, when do you think things will be normal enough that you could go about about living your life like, I don't know, normal, whatever normal is for you?
4: I think it's going to be some time. And the reason I say that is because right now, just today, the main road that goes to our local hospital in Lake Arrowhead uh, was just cleared, but only one lane. So, if... You have traffic coming the opposite way. Somebody has to back up, and you could be backing up for a mile or two. Uh, and in order for them to clear all that, it's going to take some time. And um, the one-way lanes, it's good for emergencies, but it's not good for everyone to start getting out of their houses.
1: So how, how long can you hold out with your supplies?
4: Oh, I can't tell you that, but for a very long time. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm not a hoarder, but, I, you know, I, I always have enough, and I am sharing with everybody up here, and I'm so grateful that I have what we have um, to be able to share with those who are in need.
0: Very quickly, I'm, I'm curious, how long have you lived up there? You live there year-round?
4: Yes, we do. We are full-time residents, and we became full-time residents in 2013. We had a second home up here in 2008, just loved it, just like everybody else that comes up to Lake Arrowhead and just loves the mountains. So we are full-time. We sold our properties, and here we are. We're on the very top uh, of Lake Arrowhead, and we view the entire lake.
0: Well, we hope you defrost soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very nice and warm. We do have a, a generator that is very big mm-hmm. and powers our entire house. And um, if we had to take neighbors in, we could. We can uh, house quite a few of them if the power went out, and they all know that.
1: All right, excellent. So
4: we're okay, but our neighbors are, you know, we have a lot of elderly people here. They're, we're in communication, so we know they're okay. And uh, but their garages are covered with uh, four to five feet of snow.
1: Wow. Uh, Susan uh, Harrison uh, Snowbound, uh, thank you uh, so much for uh, letting us talk to you from Lake Arrowhead. You're listening to KNX In-Depth with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman. It has become a huge political issue was the covid pandemic started by a leak from a lab in China.
0: With us now to help us sort this all out is Dr. Art Kaplan, founding director of the Division of Medical Ethics at New York University's School of Medicine. Thanks for coming back with us. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. So uh, this has been uh, obviously a controversy Pretty much since the beginning of the pandemic, did this corona novel coronavirus, not so novel anymore, I guess, uh, originate uh, in an animal to human transmission? Or was it the result of a, a, an accident in a laboratory in Wuhan, China, that was doing research into coronaviruses? And now the Energy Department is coming down on the side, uh, although in a weak way, but nonetheless coming down on the side of the lab leak?
5: Well, let me start by saying, I don't think we're ever going to know. China doesn't want us to investigate. We had a token investigation where they controlled a team that visited over there, looked in the Markets where animals, rare animals were, exotic animals looked in the labs, but not very much. Yeah, but but, I'm, but, but said- wait!
0: But I'm going to stop you there for, and and I usually don't stop you in the middle, but I am because you just said something interesting. Uh, not that you're not interesting other times, <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you said something interesting now about how how China tried to to stop the investigation, and and that is certainly true, and that has been actually a chief complaint. Uh, globally, uh, that China has been trying to stop it. So doesn't that in and of itself suggest that they're aware of, if it was an animal to person transmission, why would they be so reluctant to let investigators in to be forthcoming with whatever evidence they have?
5: Yeah. Yeah. What do they have to hide if it just took place in a market? But what they have to hide is a crummy initial response. They didn't lock down the area quickly. They got very tough, remember, with quarantine later. But for a couple of weeks, they were like, nah, everybody can travel. We're not going to do anything. No big deal. So even if it did uh, occur from, say, a newly killed animal, a rare species that might have an odd virus in it, to somebody who ate it or breathed in the virus, they still have stuff to cover up. That makes sense? That does, yeah.
1: Yeah, but it
0: still seems to me like... Uh, you know, if, if somebody's, you know, spouse is missing and the police come and the person says, nope, don't come into the house. No. I, I don't Nothing want to you. see here. I, yeah, I, I don't on. want you in the house. It,
1: <laughs> These it, aren't it, the droids you're looking for. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you
5: know, no, I understand. And uh, fair enough. I mean, we could say, look, it would be they'd be more willing to let us know. But if that thing started in Wuhan and escaped out to Italy, then the U.S., then the world and Britain and the world incurred huge costs. The world's going to show up at their doorstep saying, we don't care if it came out of a lab leak. We don't care if it came out of a sneeze. You didn't manage it right, China, after all your chest beating about how well you were doing. And you made the rest of us sick, so pay up. I think that's one of the reasons we're not going to get anything much out of China. Now, I this- always thought, yeah, go
1: ahead. Uh, I, was, I was going to say the lab leak story. We do have to point out that uh, the, even though the energy department says uh, that it it could have been, yeah. A lab leak. They do say they have low confidence in that conclusion. In other words, the prevailing theory is still animal to human transmission, but That's that right. the lab leak is a possibility. They, that digs a little bit deeper than the uh, the headlines. I know that uh, the FBI is uh, th- is leaning towards lab leak, but some of yeah. our other intelligence uh, organizations uh, still believe in the uh, human uh, animal to human transmission level. But uh, to your point, as, as you were explaining that it doesn't matter if it's a lab leak or whatever, that uh, China is going to still try to cover up its response.
5: Correct. And let me say lab leak could mean two things. Let's not forget, it could mean I'm working on a biological weapon and it got away. Or it could mean we're just studying COVID viruses because lots of scientists study dangerous viruses all the time to try and understand how they work and it got away. I think as it comes through the political lens here in the U.S., right. it's the war, <laughs> the biological weapon idea that's got everybody riled up. But but even
0: uh, you know if, even if you put the issue of reparations aside, it's still important, is it not, to know how it originated? Because for example, if it was from a lab leak, like accidental or otherwise that might raise red flags for other studies of other viruses or other potentially dangerous pathogens in labs all over the world and give us a a clue on how to make them safer. So isn't it important to really know at the end of the day, if we can, how it started?
5: absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. We've got, let's remember, there are a lot of scientists in the U.S., Netherlands, other countries that study blue viruses, Ebola viruses, they're constantly trying to do research to say, oh, well, how do these change and become dangerous to us? So we want to have security in these labs. If it isn't good enough, then you shouldn't be doing the research. And if China can't contain dangerous viruses, whatever they're looking at them for, they ought not be doing the research. Uh, There's no doubt that uh, we want to know how did this get out? Where did it come from? The origins do matter. But at the same time, just turning it into a political festival, that isn't necessarily going to get us the answer. Remember, the DOE is part of the Biden administration. It's not like it's somehow separate from the Democrats. (laughs) If they're issuing that report, that's coming more from uh, the blue side than the red side.
1: All right. Thank you, Uh, Dr. Art Kaplan. there, founding director of the Division of Medical Ethics at New York's University School of Medicine. You're listening to KDEX In-Depth. I'm Rob Archer, along with Charles Feldman.
0: Well, a new online tool is now out there. It is designed to help teenagers take down explicit pictures of them that end up all over the web.
1: On the line with us to talk about it is Gavin Portnoy of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Thanks so much for joining us.
6: My pleasure. How are you guys?
1: So uh, quickly, how does this tool work?
6: Yeah, so it's actually pretty simple. Uh, If you're a teen or you were a teen when a nude partially nude or sexually explicit photo was taken of yourself and you believe it's out on the web or that it could end up out on the web uh, you can go to take it Uh it's really simple to create a case uh, all you need to do is have the original image or video on your device uh, it could be a phone could be a tablet could be a computer um, the image is then hashed on your your device there so uh, that's a really nerdy way of saying hey, we create a digital fingerprint of that image right there on your phone, and that digital fingerprint is then sent to the National Center. Uh, that's really it for the end user. None, none of their information is uploaded to us. The photo never gets sent to us. Uh, all it is is a bunch of zeros and ones that get sent uh, to the National Center for Missing Exploited Children. We then work with electronic service providers to try to get that image taken down. Uh, image or video taken down. Uh, As of right now, uh, we've got Facebook, Instagram, Yubo, OnlyFans, and MindGeek, which is the parent company of PornHub. They've signed on to uh, take down images of Uh, illicit content of teens, and we hope to have a lot more signed up here in the near future.
0: Now, you mentioned in passing Gavin original photos, and and therein lies the potential rub, does it not, that if the, as I understand it, if the original photo is altered in any way, shape, or form, and that could be as simple as the photo being cropped, then uh, that photo would not be taken down unless the person was aware of that alteration and filed another Uh, I guess, code or however you want to describe it for that corresponding newly formed picture, right?
6: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, It is not a silver bullet when it comes to fighting uh, online child sexual exploitation. Uh, It only works on the original image. So any alteration of that image, it could be a crop of it. It could be turning it into a meme or adding like an emoji over top of it. It does create a unique image in that case and take it down would not work. Um, again not the silver bullet we do encourage people to create a cyber tip line report which is a much more involved way to uh, work with us and with the electronic service providers and law enforcement to take care of that image but this is a step that a victim can take to um, have some reassurance and and hopefully get some of that imagery taken down
1: and and i would like to presume that work is being done on this tool to improve it so that it could maybe detect a few more of the slightly altered images and be able to get those as well right
6: absolutely yeah this is i wouldn't even call this a full version one at this point it's like version dot nine um we are specking out way into the future uh planning for the internet of of tomorrow if you will uh and hoping that we'll be able to tackle any anything or any change i can make this not work.
0: Now i think you mentioned right that that facebook instagram are participating uh, in this and and i i think we should also point out that the parent company for facebook and instagram partly fund the project is that right?
6: Yes sir. Right. That's absolutely correct. So
0: but i what i didn't hear was uh, twitter and more importantly i suppose for for young people tiktok which they use probably now more than facebook or well, maybe not as much as Instagram, but it's probably a tie. Uh, is there a reason why they're not on board already?
6: No, actually, as a matter of fact, uh, a- anybody that currently reports the cybertech line, which is most of the major electronic service providers, they were pitched in. Um, this is a very unique, very new service. Uh, the first five sign on here, we commend them being very quick to the draw. Uh, I will say TikTok, Twitter, um, Snapchat, all the all the major social media companies, especially those that are um, serving younger audiences. Nobody has directly said no. Uh, They're just working with their legal teams to find the right way to make it work for for them and for us.
1: Now, we mentioned uh, one of the companies, MindGeek, which is the parent company of some adult websites and you know that by no means is not even a lot of them there are so many more out there and some of them are bad actors so if if a website or a company does not wish to accede to the demand to take it down they don't have to you you don't have any authority to force them to
6: no sir it is a completely voluntary process to sign up for this same as as uh, receiving cyber tipping hashes that we currently have out there so it is completely voluntary and you know those that want to be um Air, quote, bad actors. It is
0: a- so if there's a teenager perhaps listening to this now and is concerned about a photo or a video that was posted and they go uh, and make themselves uh, and they avail themselves of this particular new tool, what can you reasonably tell them to expect? Because you don't want to give them, on the one hand, false expectations that okay i've done this and now it's all done and i'm home free on the other hand you want to encourage them to use it so what can you tell them realistically to expect
6: i think the most realistic thing to give them is first of all uh, that there is hope here and this is the first step that they can take to have that imagery removed Um, first step that they can take to feeling a little bit more secure they absolutely should should go to the service they should go through the action here If they're truly concerned, uh, they should absolutely make a cyber tip line report, tell a trusted adult, or report it to the cyber tip line. It really is made for those that want to remain anonymous, have reason to believe that uh, that image or video could leave their care, and they want to um, take every step they can to make it not go any further. Uh, The biggest thing we keep telling people is, you know, this is not going to make the bad... Things go away. This is going to empower you and and hopefully stop that image from going further.
1: And uh, very quickly, give us the uh, address again.
6: Uh, That is at TakeItDown.NICMEC.org.
1: All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Gavin Portnoy of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's going to do it for In Depth Today. We'll be back tomorrow.